Over the past two years, uh, I have been astounded, and not in a good way, by the anger, by the vitriol, by the hatred, and the prejudice I have heard on the news and from the White House, that I have read in Facebook and blog posts, that I have overheard in conversations. It has upset me a lot, and it has broken my heart to see people who claim the label Christian sacrifice their integrity and their morality as they refuse to listen about worldly things and they don't change their mind as new information or truth comes to light, but they dig their heels in all the more. See, I've seen families that have been divided. I've seen friendships that have ended Because in our culture, we've become really good at talking and speaking quickly and refusing to listen, being slow to think. Instead, we're far more concerned with being right and justifying our values, our position, our place than we are about listening to what somebody else has to say and hearing their perspective or listening to where they're coming from. See, this has caused an incredible amount of pain, not just some mild discomfort, but brokenness, shame, sorrow, and anguish in the lives of people all around. And the more our culture goes in this direction, the more we as a church continue to follow in their footsteps, the more we're going to become isolated and alone, separated and segregated from everyone else around in our own little tribe, And things will only get worse. Because we break down the lines of communication. Because we we stop talking to others. And it starts to seem like our culture is careening out of control. Like there is no comfort out there for us. We wonder where is God in all of this. And suddenly those voices start to sound a little bit louder. Do you still believe in those fairy tales about God? If your God was all-powerful, he was in control, would things be happening the way they are? Would men like those who have fallen from grace lately have gotten into power in the first place? Would things like the, the Me Too hashtag have been a reality where people ignored the voices of the women who had been suffering? Would things happen the way they do in our culture? And suddenly, the stones that people have been throwing start to hit a little bit harder. The cuts get a little bit deeper because everything seems like it's a mess and it's out of control. And while we confessed earlier and we know the truth as Christians that that the world is like this because sin and the reality of it means that that we're far worse than we'd like to imagine, we still struggle with with this truth. But then we come to a passage like Isaiah 40. But you need to realize just before the beginning of these words, comfort, comfort, ye my people, says your God, Israel is a complete mess. In Isaiah chapter 39, Isaiah comes into King Hezekiah's court and says, despite what you might want to believe, God isn't going to deliver you this time. The people are going to go into exile. Your children and grandchildren, some of them are going to be in the king of Babylon's court and they're going to be eunuchs. 
the people of Jerusalem are going to be carried off in chains. See, Israel has spent far too long in their sins, and they refuse to listen to God's messengers. And so God is going to allow them to face the consequences of their sins. This is the beginning of the end for the the nation state of Israel in the Old Testament. God is going to let it fall. But this isn't the end for the people of Israel. You see, everything felt like it was falling apart, and the people being carried off into exile are wondering, how could it have gotten to this? How could it have come this far? What hope do we have left for salvation? And they started to wonder and think, is there no comfort left for us? Our feelings, their their feelings are expressed in the words of the prophets, and in so many ways, the prophets speak the same things that we can sometimes fall into thinking today. As we hear from the preacher in Ecclesiastes 4, Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. Or from Jeremiah in in Lamentations 1, after he sees Jerusalem fall, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is none to comfort her. They heard my groaning, and yet there is no one to comfort me. Through Isaiah, we know why this has happened. We know why this happened to Israel. Uh, God was letting them face the consequences of their sin so that they could be driven to repentance. And that through their repentance, God would bring comfort and healing into their lives, into their nation. Now, I'm not trying to say I know why what's happening in our nation is happening. I don't have that kind of answers. I don't know the answer to that question of why God is allowing the things going on. But I do know this, that God always longs for his people to repent and to turn back to him. God always wants us to step out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 2. See, God may allow God uses pain and discomfort to help us wake up to the reality around us. He uses them as smelling salts so that we might see the reality and turn from our ways, restore our focus on the things that matter. God uses pain and discomfort, suffering and brokenness and injustice for a season so that we might be brought back to him and and come to a place where we're prepared to receive the eternal things, the things that matter most. In Isaiah chapter 12, at the beginning of of all of this, as we hear of Isaiah's calling and of what God is going to allow to happen, Isaiah has this passage where he writes, In that day you will say, I will give thanks to the Lord, for though he was angry with me, his anger has turned away that he might comfort me, that he might comfort his people. See, as God's people, they had experienced deep pain, suffering, anguish, and we likewise find ourselves in those difficult situations at different times. We struggle with the things around us, and we come to this place where we face the isolation and the loneliness, but it is then that we need to hear the words, the beautiful words of the messenger in Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. God brings comfort to us. 
Our need for comfort is desperate. But even greater is God's desire to comfort his people. He longs to restore us and lift us back up. God longs to to act as that good shepherd who cares for his flock that has wandered astray, to care for you and me. And so even though our situation may be desperate and we may be looking in despair, there is still hope. Because our God is not distant, but he comes near. See, when I talk about this gospel truth, I like to use the symbol of the manger, of God coming to be present with us, taking on flesh and becoming one of us. See, Jesus, God comes near. He enters into the the brokenness, the loneliness, the isolation, the messiness of human drama, and and maybe even of of our physical homes. He enters into the messiness of where we are. He's not above it. Instead, he came down from his throne in heaven, took on flesh, and became a human being just like you and me so that he could come near to us. See, where our sin runs deep, God's grace runs deeper. Where the brokenness is wide, God's love is wider. He comes for you and for me. Why? Because as it says in verse 1, he is our God and we are his people. You and I, we belong to him. See, that, that drives us back to the heart of this passage's message the heart of of the point of Isaiah chapter 40. That despite our frustrations and despite appearances, God is with us and God is for us. He is on our side. So even though we may face days and weeks of frustrations, of brokenness, of injustice, of suffering, and of, of things that are not going the way we want, We know that we have a God who is imminently near us, who knows our situation, who comes to dwell with us and to be near us, to take care of us and to come and be present with us and to bring us comfort. To the end of of the story of Israel in the Old Testament, after they went into exile, God didn't leave them there. He brought deliverance through the people of Persia, through the Persian Empire. They were restored to the land. But even when they came back, all the promises that are listed in Isaiah, they hadn't come about. Uh, They were still suffering from loneliness. They were still felt distant from God. They were still suffering from the effects of sin. Things weren't right yet. Likewise, in our lives today, we still suffer from brokenness and isolation, despair, pain, and anger, and vitriol, and hatred in our culture. And that's why... When we read this passage, we see how it points to Christ, points to something greater that God was going to do. And so God promises that he isn't distant. He has come near in Christ. In his presence, he is right alongside of us in the manger. And through the cross, we see how God has given us pardon for our sin. That is no longer held over us. The story of Israel points us to those truths, but it doesn't leave us there. It also points to something greater to come. That on the last day, Jesus is going to come again as a king who wears the crown. He's going to come in power and glory to bring that hope, that love, that peace, that joy that we long for, that we talk about in Advent. He's going to come and bring that to us as his people. 
See, our God isn't distant, but he comes near to us to bring us comfort, to gather us into his arms with his tender mercy as our good shepherd, to give us peace and to gather us as his people. Amen.